0: everybody welcome to the vox podcast bonnie mike and tim are in the house we're so glad that you are tuning in um and and we've got we've got big news uh tim has got a headband on today and it looks (laughs) looks freaking awesome tim we've talked about before but he's a musician and i'm i'm quite um i quite fancy him to say it in kind of the old way um and uh He's got this sweet beard. I don't know. He just he looks like I would want to look if I were going to be a rock star. So, I'll take I don't, that. I always I always have to give kind of a Tim what he's wearing update cuz I don't ever change what I'm wearing. And then Bonnie <laughs> Bonnie, what's what's Bonnie, what's the hair status today? Just real quick. I have
1: a double crown braid, half oh. up, half down wow. with my natural curl on the bottom.
0: So the old hymn "Crown Him with Many Crowns" could have been, <laughs> could have been referring to braids, is what we're saying. Could, you I, never I'm know. Love. Now, a couple of things have happened um, since we've last conversed. Um, there, there was th- this, and, and, and you know, by now the the, the media has moved on or whatever. But when we were recording it, there's a pretty high degree of concern about a, a a rally where our president um was was bagging on one of the I don't know her name but one of the congresswomen uh one of the squad one of the four uh freshman congresswomen and um and then the crowd crowd started chanting like what send was it? her back send her, send back, her back instead of yeah. lock her up which is definitely not an improvement um and and so that I, I you know we're we're getting into that season again where mm-hmm. where we have to we have to be discipled on how to be political in a Jesus kind of way because mm-hmm. it's it's just right I mean you were talking about about peacemaking
1: right yeah because i mean i think it's it's so tough because these things happen and you and no matter what side you're on it's they're they're so polarizing and they're also so divisive and people are angry and people are hurt and people are mad and our call as christians is to be peacemakers and i think it, that doesn't mean to just like let things happen that shouldn't happen or to allow the marginalized to remain marginalized, or even to stand with people who are doing something wrong. But I mean, I feel like we kind of need to have at least a little bit of a conversation of what what does that look like? Like when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, What? Right. who is that and what, what are they doing and why does that matter?
0: Yeah, how do you love your enemy? Um, how do you bless those who persecute you? I mean, and how do you hold that intention with having strong political opinions? I mean, it, it took... Uh, you know, I mean, I, again, if it were Obama, this see, this isn't a Republican or Democrat issue for me. This isn't mm-hmm. about Trump or not. It's about uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, it seems like you should be fighting, no matter who it is, for the religious liberty of everybody. Right. And that we follow a Jesus who showed such concern for the marginalized, it seems like the place we at least should start our policy conversations is on the side of compassion and to sit and um to 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 see this and 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 obviously i mean people of color have said that, that that's a that's a freaking huge insult right yeah. to just be told to go back to where you come from i mean that i and so so i sit well, here bonnie this is what i need your help with all right yeah. i sit here and on the one hand i'm like i'm just I can't get outraged about everything. I can't. I have a limited amount of outrage.
1: You have a limited amount of rage inside you, which yes. is probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, well,
0: it is. It, because it, it would be so unhealthy for me to live in this worked up sort of anger that just never ceases, right? Because there's the always time. something, always something to be really mad about. Yeah. So I hold that on the one side. And then I hold on the other side, the prophetic call upon the church to be nonpartisanly fighting for um, the Imago Day, seeing the Imago Day in every person, and and mm-hmm. fighting for laws that respect liberty and justice, and so on and so on and so on. And so, on. And so I just sit, Bonnie, and I wrestle with w- where where can you prophetically, as a Christian, say I this this is wrong. I don't no. It doesn't matter who you are. This I, I don't care about Hillary. I don't care. I mean, right? I mean, this is right. just wrong. Um, and how do you not get wrapped up into all of that in a perpetual way so that you lose, um, any ability to help, you know, make Jesus beautiful in the midst of all this. Right. So Bonnie, tell us, give us the answer right now.
1: Oh, I don't know about the direct answer, but I have a few ideas. And one thing I like to do when I find myself outraged and like in a situation like this, replace the woman with somebody else that isn't marginalized that maybe he's or is marginalized in a different way i mean it's tough because she's she's a small she was she's a somali american right um she's a muslim right and she's a woman right um and so it's tough because she's got all this against her already all the boxes all the boxes Um, yeah and um and so it's hard because i saw somebody else uh tweet and they said i'm from i'm not from this country either but i'm a white european male so he would never say that to me
0: right right and
1: it's tough because that in that sort of sense it is true but what 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 i need to say to myself is if it wasn't true if he did say that to him and say to him you should go back to your country to a white european male would i still be as outraged and i believe that if we're focusing, like Mm. you said, on the image of God and making sure that everybody has religious liberty and that um, people are welcome and they're treated fairly and they're not, uh, and they're treated with dignity, then we should be as outraged no matter who it is. Does that make sense, Mm. sort of? It does. So I wonder about that.
0: Yeah, but I wonder if that's not woke enough. Because couldn't it be objected then that the white European... It's about time the white freaking european experienced some of what truly marginalized people have felt.
1: Well, I want I want the white european or me or any of us to be aware. But I mean, do we really want to say, "Hey, we want you to experience the same amount of trauma and harm as other people?" Are we really I don't think we want to inflict pain on anybody. You know right. what I mean? Um, I think we want we empathy. Don't. No, yeah. I'm sure people do. I mean, <laughs> I think the call for empathy and for them to like hear other people. Right. But um, but I don't know. So that's how I kind of steer clear of, of going like, which party is it from going? OK, l- let me replace these people involved. And do I have the same reaction? And right. if not, let me sort of check a few things. And then I, I don't read the news very often and i don't Mm -hmm. go on social media uh, during the day at all because it's just it's just like a total suck and say one thing (laughs) happens like just like in terms of algorithms in general say i look up one thing ever say i look up uh like today i googled um trump rally send her back now literally every google ad everything facebook's sending me everything everything Is exactly that conversation. Yeah. So suddenly, I'm now being siloed and tunneled into a very, very small one conversation where everybody is talking about it and everybody seems to be mad. But it's really this tiny, this tiny piece of a bigger conversation. So it stinks because you want to learn something, but the way the algorithms, algorithms, and all that stuff is set up, it's not in our favor to sort mm-hmm. of have a diversified opinion. Right. Um. And then finally, yeah, and then finally, I think if I really want to stay, if I'm upset and enraged about something and I want to not become that way, then the best thing I know to do, like in this situation, is to check on my friends who are Muslim and check on my friends who are people of color and who, anybody who I know that might be marginalized and ask them how they're doing and listen to their story and invite them over or do peacemaking in these small ways, mm-hmm. even if it's forgiving somebody that I have a grudge against or, you know, c- calling my neighbors over for dinner or whatever it is, just to so this sense of, oh, yeah, the world can be very small and in my neighborhood and we can do peace here. You know what I mean? Because sometimes yep. I think when it's yep. so big, it feels so out of our hands.
0: That's right. No, that's Which, absolutely
1: right. So...
0: And I, and I feel like this is the very tip of an iceberg that, you know, is just, I mean, it's the whole, the whole next year is going to be this. Yeah. And, um, and so I think we need to do a lot of work and a lot of thinking and praying about how it is that we do this well while still having obviously strong opinions and convictions about, uh, what it is that we think is right and just. And since we live in a, uh, to, uh, a country that asks us our opinion, right. uh, I think it's good to have an informed one. So, so I'm with you. So that was that was one thing. And then, on the heels of that, the very same day, the news came down that the dude who wrote the "I Kissed, Dating Goodbye" book
1: oh, and, yeah. and was
0: at the pinnacle of purity evangelical purity culture.
1: I mean, uh, the, like, wore the name tag for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Oh yes, and was a poster boy in the reform yeah. movement. Uh is getting a divorce. And and obviously uh divorce is complicated. We grieve that for him um and his wife. Uh, absolutely. I mean that that I right. I don't ever want to go through that. I don't wish that upon anybody. Um it, symbolically uh it 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 seems like such a fitting end. To that whole uh, purity movement mm. that was the '80s and the in the '90s, you know. I mean, I, I, on the one hand, I grieve for them personally; would never want anyone to go through that. And on the other hand, I'm like, what a prophetic um, picture, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. of well, you know, here's all this, here's all this moralism, and none of it's redemptive, you know. Right? And I'm not, I'm not saying. Discipline or wisdom—I mean, I, of course, those things are redemptive. But I just mean the the whole purity movement, d- making virginity the end all and be all. Was um, you know I, I I think we're seeing the fruit of that, right? Uh, <laughs> and so so it's just I, you know I, I'm sitting here, and I, I'm watching the collapse. I mean, I'm literally watching the collapse of the religion and the church that I grew up with.
1: Oh yeah, right. It oh, is. Yeah. It
0: is. I mean, and it, and it's already. I mean, obviously, it's been collapsing, but I mean, y- I, you just sit here and go, my lord, to to be a to claim to be a Jesus follower, and to yell at a um, a Muslim uh, immigrant who has successfully run in Congress. And I'm not saying there are Jesus followers there, but I'm assuming because there are lots of so-called Jesus followers, or who that- at
1: least say they are. Right, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, who, and who are yelling, send her back. You're just like, ah, at, at some point um, you just, the, the word Christian doesn't apply. And mm-hmm. I, and it's certainly not in perfect. I mean, it, it's not waiting for people to be perfect. Obviously I've, I've grown a ton and I'm still far from, from perfect, but there, there's just a sense when, when you've been so discipled by politics that this is the primary posture about how you relate to people, ah, mm-hmm. I'm so concerned about that. And then yeah. the just the sexual stuff is so, because because purity culture had maybe I think good intentions, mm-hmm. um, but but it's it's wrought such carnage,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: in its place, um, is just this consent ethic, yeah, uh, and that's it, right, and. Um, and, and so I don't know I, I I'm just I'm just watching the, the carnage
1: of I know it's so the, sad the
0: church I grew the the whole thing the whole edifice and and like you know uh, Brian Walsh said you know in his opinion it's not dying quick enough Others right. others will say oh you know this is lamentable and I, I think it's both I mean I'm sad that. The and maybe this is a God's great gift. Maybe this is God's great gift. God's judgment, it just turns out to be the truth. The truth wins out, mm-hmm. and the truth yeah. was this didn't transform many people, and it didn't it didn't do anything but cover up abuse. And I, said, I don't know. I don't know. I, and so caused I just...
1: more problems or more trauma. I mean, I was a product of the purity movement. And like me and my husband always talk about that. We're like, oh, my gosh, remember that? <laughs> like when we were yeah. dating and yeah. then the conversations and the transition into marriage was like, wait, what's happened? I mean, no matter how you if you kept it or you didn't, you were screwed. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <Literally>. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. But I mean, you <laughs> no matter Zing. what, <laughs> no matter where you ended up, it was there wasn't great fruit. Right. A lot of it, at least. Um, and it's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. He has a Ted. He has a like. Yeah. I don't know. He came out and like said, I'm yeah. sorry I ever wrote that. I need to. Yeah. Read it. And I think they're making a documentary on it.
0: Oh, Lord. Please. No.
1: I mean, not on it, like on the carnage. Uh, of it. Uh,
0: no, I know. But, uh, but ugh, ugh. Uh, so yeah. anyway, so we grieve for them. We pray for them um and there tim you ugly ugly man you sent me a video i remember watching in 2011 <laughs> sorry where mark driscoll and this guy were totally jumping on francis chan for oh, leaving I couldn't his even church get through
1: the first three minutes and <laughs> I'm oh,
0: and i'm i'm just like well what does jesus say wisdom is proved right by her children and so we we've clearly seen the children.
1: <laughs> seen oh. the children have spoken. I know. Seriously.
0: All right. Uh, so we're lamenting today, but but Bonnie, Bonnie brought something uh, to the table, and um, and I thought, ooh, this is a this is an interesting interesting discussion because it's about sexuality. It's about somebody who's an other, mm-hmm. right? A foreigner, um, uh, and it's about. Um, how how you process the journey from becoming a a non-affirming in the lgbtq plus conversation to affirming and Mm -hmm. um so anyway bonnie why don't you why don't you take it away a little bit yeah give us some context for for what you wanted to do
1: yeah i just wanted to bring to discussion so one sarah bessie she's um she's an author she kind of she was real tight with rachel held evans and um, they put on the evolving faith conference each year she has two books that i've read that are really good i really like her and i respect her work um so she came out with she's one of the few that still blogs which is great so she came out with a blog yeah about um like her journey um from like you said to being non affirming to affirming of the lgbtq plus community and Um, I was reading it and I was so interested in it because I've always been very interested in that. And so um, I wanted to read it and she uses the passage. It's in Mark seven. It's also in Matthew 15. And it's about when the Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus, her daughter is uh, possessed by a demon and she begs Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus. Hey, why
0: why don't I read it? Why don't I read oh, it? Oh yeah, real good quick? idea.
1: Okay, she, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry to see... interrupt you.
0: I just had it. I had it handy.
1: Yeah, read the Matthew. Do you have Matthew?
0: Yeah, I have the Matthew version.
1: Perfect, because that's what she uses in her blog.
0: Yes. So leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman and Syrophoenicia is saying the same thing. From that vicinity came to him, crying out, "Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me." Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment.
1: Mm. Yeah, perfect.
0: So so, Bessie uses this, is referring to this passage.
1: Yeah, so she says this, and let me just read this little excerpt from her thing just to set it up. So she says, in this woman or in the story, a woman is crying out to Jesus for help because her daughter is possessed and suffering, but Jesus ignores her. As She continues after him, begging for him to help her. The disciples grow impatient, not with Jesus, mind you, but with the woman. They ask Jesus to send her away because she won't stop shouting at them for help. He tells them he won't deal with her because he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Um, and then she goes on to talk about, but and then he says, like, um, woman it's not right to take food from the children's mouths and throw it to the dogs she replies back and then um what she says is she says as if being a, a woman in this culture isn't enough of a hill to climb she, our girl was a syrophoenician um woman some translations say canaanite um and she was from a region i you pronounced it so much better how do you say that with the t Tari? Tyree, um, I think I preached on that and I, I said it so wrong and I didn't realize So you just said it right. Um, oh, no, no, that's all right. Um, which, and they were despised by the Jews as enemies because they had fought on the other side of a long ago war. She was a cultural outsider to Jesus and his boys in every way. She's a foreigner, a Gentile. She's from a despised reason, region and she's a woman and she's making nuisance of herself in front of a crowd. Um, this really endears vulnerable women to powerful men, and so she goes on and she kind of makes a suggestion that right. Jesus is prejudice against her so
0: mm-hmm. initially
1: initially right um, and then that she then kind of retorts and he said he changes his mind mm-hmm. and Bessie's biggest argument is that proximity changes people. So she used it within context of her own life and that she knew somebody who she really respected and this person was a lesbian, but Bessie didn't know that. Um, And then she found out she was a lesbian and like her whole thought process changed about what she thought about the homosexual community and the LGBTQ and all that. And so she became affirming. And so she uses this story to demonstrate that.
0: Um, Okay, to demonstrate that Jesus was one way and then he encountered this woman and changed his mind. Is that yeah, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes.
1: Yeah, that like and then he changed his mind about what he felt about the woman. Okay. So like and she goes on to say that you know Jesus was fully god and fully man, so his fully man like that he was basically brought up to think about women in her scenario a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so he was prejudiced against her. Uh but then when he saw her pain he like proximity quote changed her him. And so now he's like, okay, I'll heal you. Right. And so I'm reading this and it's tough because on the one hand, this is, this is her personal story. Right. So I don't right. want to at all discredit that. And I also don't want to discredit the fact that I do believe proximity does change us in many ways yeah and can open our eyes. um But my problem with her exegesis on this, and it's tough because Uh, You know me. I mean, I'm all about the women theologians. I I don't want anyone to be marginalized, like all that stuff. But I have a problem here because her exegesis, I don't think is correct in that she treats Jesus as we talk about white male privilege today. Mm. And she puts that on to Mm. the text. So Mm. actually in the text, like Jesus goes to her hometown Mm-hmm. And they are this like huge economic powerhouse, right? They're like right. they have all this money, and there and the there is sort of a conflict between um, <clears throat> like people from her region and the Jews. But it what it maybe it was from a war. But everything I had read in the commentaries was because this like agricultural problem, the Jewish people would like raise up all these crops, but then actually this superpower of like an economy superpower would take all their crops to make mm. them richer. And so Jesus is actually the outsider in this story. Mm. And so I had read all these different things about how like he's the one and if you go to Mark he comes, the disciples aren't in the Mike story or the Mark story. He comes and he hides in the mm-hmm. Mark story because he doesn't want to mm-hmm. be found. But the things that I was reading and just given the socioeconomic status of the day is he was the outsider. And even though she was a woman, it would have mm-hmm. taken one call, one of her saying he did this to me or whatever, and his whole life could have been ruined. Like, that's how much more status and economic mm-hmm. status she had over him, even wow. though she was the woman in the scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's hard is that I don't agree and I think it's poor exegesis and then it lends us to a poor result. If we take our like 21st century understanding of things and we put it on people in the text. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So I'm... you're saying, if I hear you right, Bonnie, that there, that there are reasons why people become affirming uh, and journey from the non-affirming view. Um, but, but using this passage the way it was used shouldn't be one of them.
1: No, because I don't think it does right by the passage. Got it. And if if I'm putting myself, and so I'm like I'm a biblicist, like if you're going to use the Bible, then you should use it. And this, like, you should be true <laughs> to what it says. But like if I'm putting myself in the LGBT. Q camp or as me as a Mm -hmm. woman, if someone is becoming to a stance of like, Hey, yes, I believe that women can teach or preach. And it's through poor exegesis. It's through like making the text into something, saying something that it's not, that doesn't do Mm -hmm. me any favors. Does that make sense? Yep. Like that doesn't help my cause or make me less marginalized at all. Because if I want Mm -hmm. the truth to set me free and the truth to give me permission and the truth to accept me and things like that, and not to have this sort of roundabout way, But I think that we do this a lot with the text and it bothers me because um, I don't know, we end up with sort of this like theology that's based, it's a confusion of what we're experiencing in the world now and Mm -hmm. the first century world. And then we're also getting to these conclusions that I think are good and worthy conclusions to look for and to fight for and to find. But we're getting it in this weird roundabout way that I don't think does anybody any favors. I don't think that... Mm -hmm. I don't think it gives dignity to the people she wants it to. Maybe it does. Mm. But if that were me, it wouldn't. And it definitely doesn't give dignity to the text and the story and like what's happening there. Because like Jesus basically is saying like, hey, when he calls them dogs, he's calling her people that he's and he is a little bit insulting her. But I wouldn't say he's prejudice against her. He's saying like, hey, let me attend to my people first. And when it's your turn all attend to yours and just like this way of like you have everything already and mm. we don't and mm. i'm the underdog here but if we make him if we make jesus out to be like whatever narrative we have about like the white american male then he is prejudiced or he is biased or he is a misogynist and that right. creates a lot of problems you know right.
0: yeah 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 for you know it's interesting as I was reading Sarah's article, because here's what I, I, I mean, again, I really want to reiterate the point. It's, it's, it's like if I were going to affirm women teaching mm-hmm. uh, something super important you know, to you, uh, but I did it without doing any justice to some of the biblical passages. Right. Um, that actually hurts you in the long run.
1: Yes. Or if you took a passage that wasn't at all about women.
0: Right, right, exactly. Teaching, and you yes. made it
1: about women and teaching that, that doesn't do me any favor, then it hurts me in the long run. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So the objection isn't, is it okay that Sarah has done this? The objection is the biblical example she cites as Jesus changing kind of his mind upon encountering her. Right. Is is problematic.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And and so you're saying, and I'm just repeating back what you're saying, so I understand it. Is that it's, it's, uh, it's, we're reading a socioeconomic gender thing there that wouldn't have been there in the same way. Um, Jesus was the outsider in that region, which is absolutely, absolutely correct. Um, I, I say I've always, I've always understood it, I've always understood this so differently from like hmm. Jesus was insulting. Um, I cause I know that's the we read it in English and it's like, dude, Jesus, chill.
1: Like <laughs> you know? chill, out, and, yeah. And,
0: and and for Sarah, that was a huge deal. Like, why why is he being a jerk? Why is he being so rude? Right. Yes, why is he being so rude to her? And um and so so I've always I always read this as one of many examples in Matthew and Luke where Hutzpah is what's being highlighted. Oh, um, it, her boldness, her, her audacity, boldness, yeah. her shameless audacity. Yes, that'd be a good sermon. And <laughs> and, and and I'm not hijacking here. I just I, I want to run this no, by you, you Bonnie, totally to see can't. what you think. No, no, no. I mean, I I objected because. I don't think Jesus is in any way discriminating. I mean, no. first of all, against Gentiles. First of all, his genealogy—the way Matthew writes his genealogy for Gentile women—now that's not. That's not like. Right. That says something about the whole project. Jesus, in Matthew's account, has already healed the the centurion servant, much to mm-hmm. the chagrin. I mean, it's not like. In Matthew's Matthew's rendering, that this is the first Gentile that Jesus comes into contact with, right? I mean, it's just right, not right. the way this is is going. It is true that the Jews called Gentiles dogs. Dogs mm-hmm. was a uh, you know Paul uses it this way, not as Gentiles, but he talks about throwing things to the dogs. Um, dogs were um, unclean, wild, untamed. Jesus here uses a different word that mm-hmm. is, is more of a domesticated dog, which is right. interesting. And she plays off of that. But here, here's how I've always understood it. And, t- and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there, there are always, always... Whenever a place name is mentioned, there's always mm-hmm. more going on, right? We have no right. Tyree inside and we don't care. So you've highlighted that, that there's right. an economic disparity. There, there is a, a, a cultural disparity even between the Jews and the Canaanites at this point, right? That goes all the way back to the Old Testament, right? That yeah. The Canaanites were still in the land. So that's the first thing. The second thing is... It was common practice, and, and I don't know if this is what he's doing here, but I see Jesus do this several times. It, it was common practice for rabbis to object to somebody three times and then uh, upon the fourth request to accept them.
1: And why so, would they do that?
0: Uh, it, it was a, a a rabbinical way of measuring Just the sincerity. No, uh, to, to measure <laughs> the sincerity of their faith.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So like would they keep asking?
0: Yeah. So Ruth. So like Ruth is the prototype example in the old Testament three times. Right. Naomi says to Ruth, don't come, don't come, don't come. Right. And then, and then Ruth says this incredible pledge and Ruth, you know, Naomi and Ruth go and we know what happens when the, when you have the rich young ruler, right. Jesus seems to do this same thing. And interestingly, I don't know that this is what he's doing here, but I, I, I suspect it may tie into the chutzpah bit he first ignores her. Then he says, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And then the the third time, you know, utters this proverb about dogs. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, And then is delighted with her response.
1: Right. I mean, Um, he's like so excited. Yeah.
0: And it's the same response he had to the, to the centurion. Right. Right. When, When he says, after he meets the centurion, I've not found such great faith in Israel. And so, so and then you get to the dog part and and forgive me if I'm going here i i i this is where I was objecting. I'm with you um there was a proverb that was a very it was a very jewish <laughs> it was a Jewish proverb of the day that simply said, um uh let me find it. I want to find the exact quote uh hold on free air oh yeah yeah." yeah. Um, you don't give children's food to the dogs or dogs' food to children. Okay? That's the proverb. Okay. And just like you have all the proverbs in the Old Testament. And that was just a way of saying that um, you do what is appropriate. It, right. You, your your job is to do what's fitting. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, so in a colloquialism, like if we were to go around talking about kicking the bucket, Um. Uh, you know, imagine a couple hundred thousand years later, kicking the bucket would make no sense,
1: right? Right, right,
0: right? Uh, or having a bucket list, right? You yeah, just yeah, be like, yeah. I don't even know what that is. But so much of Jesus is talking in these prepackaged proverbial statements that are filled. So, if I said to you, Hey, your nose is growing, what story am I referencing? Pinocchio, correct. And I'm not just referencing the one part, but the, the whole story I'm referencing. So so I can say, in a ga- a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and you already know there's a whole world sitting behind that statement. Right. Similarly, what I think is that when Jesus said to this woman, look, we don't take uh, what's the child's and give it to the dogs. We don't take what's the dogs and give it to and the give child's. It to the child. right. he's, he's just saying the same thing about Israel and the Gentiles again. Mm. Um, and, and so he's not being mean to her or insulting to her. He's actually using this proverb to say, it's not fitting because I was sent to the, to Israel first. Right. And, and what she does, the chutzpah for her wasn't overlooking the insult, but rather was to take that common proverb and turn it so so that because he used this word for domestic dog, not wild dog, right to say, but yes, and, and, and that's her genius. Her genius wasn't, hey, she showed Jesus that Gentiles are okay. Her right. genius was she took this proverb and flipped it right mm. there with great chutzpah. Right, um, right, right. Uh and and Jesus was delighted in right. her response. He Th- loved it, it wasn't, yes. Yes, and and this is consistent with what he does everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, the woman that interrupts the dinner party—he I mean, just loves this stuff. The people digging a hole—this is what he does. And, right. and so, for 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 me, that proverb, and and I—I I, I mean, go through the book of Proverbs. There's stuff like that all the time. It's right so weird. everywhere. Yeah. Right. So you and, and even and even Jesus uses a bit of this later when he talks about not giving what is sacred to dogs. Hmm. Right so that's a version of this. Right. Uh proverb. So all that is to say the suggestion that Jesus was somehow racist met her and then wasn't. Yeah. Uh I'm so I'm just so with you.
1: Yeah, well because I I also love like what you're saying not only all these but these are like l- literary intricacies and like gems in the text and I hate That we miss it. I mean, even I studied this whole thing, and I didn't catch that. And so I love that you brought that because I was like, yes, it takes it to a whole new level. But like, that's the genius of the stories and of Scripture and of the Bible. And so when we um, don't do our due diligence or we don't make it about that, it makes me sad because not only is it not true to the text, like you're saying, but it makes Jesus out to be someone he's not. But like, if I'm in that camp and I'm waiting for someone to become affirming of me, I want them to do it through like the whole depth and breadth and like truth of the matter, not saying something that isn't true or cheapening it, I guess. Like right. what you, you know, what you said.
0: Well, yeah, no, I, I, and I think that's, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, th- that to me is the, the most fascinating point in all this is the, what you're saying that I would want the argument to be made i mean i'm sure it was awesome when people who like and respected sarah um and and were affirming saw her being affirming and that was hugely validating absolutely um but but to to others uh if the ex- it's just it's it's so good because then it's like um you could use this in so many different different areas because there there is a way to approach the Bible, that uh, that utterly reads uh, 21st century issues, concepts, mm-hmm. controversies back into the text and totally violates everything. Right. So so let me ask you this then: mm-hmm. If you were going to make an argument from the Bible to be affirming, what what passage would you use instead?
1: Oh dang. Um, Um, if anything, I'm compelled by the argument about, um, the Bible and its patriarchal outlook. And so I'm compelled to dive in deeper there. Um, for me though, I question, is this something of going, is this a spirit move that's happening? Are we seeing a trajectory here where the culture was so heavily in this way. I mean, that's why when I bought that Romans disarmed book, cause I was also compelled by that and going our idea of homosexuality and like LGBTQ plus, and even Gamba saying like, we're sort of obsessed with sex when they weren't back then. And so I'm going, okay, how much have I put on to the understanding of the text that wasn't there? So I'm, I'm interested in that because if in first century, it wasn't at all like that, then I don't think that we can even use the text in that understanding so for the woman conversation i do see that again and again it's like i think it's more explicit in terms of like women not being allowed to teach and things like that so i'm affirming of the lgbtq plus community but i see it more as like a hey i'm trying to figure out a wisdom move here mm-hmm, and so i look mm-hmm. at the text and the scripture as saying like even this one like say you were to use this one then Let's view this as okay, what is what, like, if it's pointing us towards wisdom, mm-hmm. what do these texts say? How am I supposed to act to people that are marginalized? Mm-hmm. Um, listen to their stories, take them from the outside and put them in the center. Um, but I, I don't know just because of the like complete, total different worlds. I'm not sure that what we talk about in terms of the LGBTQ community is the same thing that they talk about. And so I don't know yet about that, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not willing to go, well, so therefore, you know, I don't think I'm not affirming of them because that's, I don't see that in terms of the whole narrative of scripture of how Jesus treats people who are marginalized.
0: Yeah. The other, you know, the other passage, Bessie references, <laughs> I hate calling her Bessie, Sarah references. Um, this, I
1: guess I call everybody by their last name. Okay, okay, I did not perfect. even realize it until you did it. <laughs> oh,
0: it's good. Gombus. Clearly. Gombus, Bessie. <laughs> um now, do you, did you call Rachel Held Evans or just Evans? That's the test case.
1: I think the whole name.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so RHE is kind of like AOC, right? There, you just yeah, you yeah. don't you there, you don't just cut it off. Okay, but she Miss uh, <laughs> Sarah Bessie um, references the Acts fifteen passage, right? Which seems like the mm. much more I don't know uh, relevant picture of right here's the old testament law declaring food unclean and then here is the spirit of god saying nope why would you i mean and what a dumb weird thing to say why would you call anything unclean that i've declared clean oh i don't know maybe for the last thousand years you've told us not to eat freaking unclean food that's one of the reasons we went into exile i mean it's so freaking odd and so Go ahead. No, you go.
1: I was just gonna say that's what I meant by a move of the spirit. I'm going. It. Hey, that's what I meant. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> well, I mean, and that seems like if you're going to, so if you were going to make an argument, I mean, to me, that you either have to do one of several things. One, you have to say um, that what we speak of when we speak of um, homosexuality and all all that all of that is different from what the Bible is condemning. um secondly the bible actually doesn't condemn it and we've Mm -hmm. misread those passages thirdly the bible does condemn it and it's wrong and we've talked about we've talked about just that option um -hmm. or uh you have to say well no in the bible it's condemned but there's a new thing happening and Mm -hmm. um and we're not we're there's never been a period in church history that, that has brought such light and illumination to, um, you know, the weaponization of the Bible against people and, and so on, so on, mm-hmm. so on. Or the last argument, it was just a, a divine accommodation. Just that, well, yeah, of course, God's design was male-female, but there are all sorts of things that aren't perfectly God's designed, and God accommodates those things.
1: Mm-hmm. And so if, mm-hmm. if,
0: if you're gay and, and sexually attracted to the same gender— um, it's better to be married than to not be married. You know I mean? That Mm -hmm. sort of, that sort of argument. So, so yeah, I'm with you in the sense of the acts 15 one is the one that comes closest as a potential parallel, right. You know, for that journey.
1: Yeah. And I would probably fall into the camp, like you said, of those, of those ones, I can't remember the first one you've (laughs) <laughs> said, um, but um, of, like I don't know, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. I mean, I feel like that's when someone says, I can't remember who said that, but like if someone said, like, the Bible is green, and it's like, no, that's a different construct, like, that's not the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to dive in there, or um, like you said, like maybe the Bible does condemn it, but there is a new thing happening, mm-hmm. um because i and because that's tough for me because i see so much of the text as this being this ancient text mm-hmm. um and it applies today but also i so believe the spirits at work so i'm either one of those two or the divine accommodation one um i was <laughs> one of those three i'm not willing to say that well i, I don't, what's the difference then i guess between the bible says it but the bible's wrong versus because then even if there's something new, ha- are you saying the Bible, like, it condemned it, but that, there's something new happening? Does that mean it was right then, and it's wrong now? Correct. What's the difference there? Correct. Okay.
0: Um, Yes, that the Bible spoke <clears throat> to the homosexuality of its time, and that that was an accurate reflection of God's thoughts and revelation. But, right. But um, uh, we now know that the Spirit's doing a new thing, versus... Um uh Paul was just wrong. Paul was a product of his time and Oh, and did he was not, just wrong. He was just wrong. Like he was errant uh, right. on okay. this. In the same way, like you might draw parallels to um, you know, his instructions to slaves or right. his view of marriage in certain passages. You'd just be like, Well, he was he was just wrong. We actually just know more now.
1: Right. We just know more to the world. Yeah. Well, so here's my question to people that listen that are from the LGBTQ plus community, I really do want emails about this because I for me, like I said earlier, I am such a biblicist in that I want the text, I want the culture to be taken into account, I want the history, I want the genre, I want all the different things to be taken into account. So, like if someone's gonna come to an egalitarian standpoint of a woman being allowed to teach. I don't want you to cheapen the text to do that. Right. Like I want, I don't. So for me, that's why I'm not willing to say, Oh, this is the closest. So I guess it's fine. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to read this passage in light. Like I think I'll be able to make it there with this. I would much rather say one of those other options of going, Hey, actually I think that's a different construct or, um, I think there's something different happening now. Mm -hmm. That's where I would rather land because I, like I said, in the long run, I don't think it serves it, does anybody any favors if we Mm -hmm. continue to change the text for what we want it to say.
0: Yeah. See, and, and the reason this conversation fits into the bigger conversations we've been having about the Bible is that this is a very clear example of where, if we're living in a story that to some degree or not, we're improvising along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of the kinds of conversations that have to take place among God's people, who, because, because I mean, you know, I, I, I guess if I'm, uh, I, I would just not, I would not care what the Bible said. I mean, I, I would, if I were, if, uh, if, if there is a deep belief that you are created this way by God, um, then, done. I mean, end of story, right? right? I mean, well, who, right. who cares? Obviously the condemnation, I mean, and I would draw all sorts of parallels to women in ministry. And I hear mm-hmm. that all the time because I affirm women in ministry. Oh, well, you're just a short step away from affirming gay relationships or whatever. Um, and so so I love that we're having a methodology conversation, uh, you know, as well as mm-hmm. a specific text, but it does reference methodology in the sense of how does one improvise faithfully? Um, right. Because we wouldn't say all improvisations are equally true, uh, and equally right. valid. Right. Um, so how do you mm-hmm. get, begin to arbitrate? And that's where, um, you know, N.T. Wright's structure, um, of the Bible is a, a, a four act play with a fifth act partially written and we know the ending. Mm-hmm. And so we are in the beginning right. of the fifth act We know how it ends, we know how the first four acts went, it's our job to improvise now with the help of the spirit, the community and the scripture um, uh, to finish the fifth act and bring it to its conclusion. Right. And that's where, and this is where you're kind of, I'm a biblicist matters because the best people who are gonna be able to help improvise, lead the improvisation are the people who are so familiar with the author's work that they can faithfully represent um, what the author has, the choices the author has made, or uh, yeah, the author of the play has made all throughout the previous four chapters, right? Right. So exactly, this is so this yeah. is the argument. why Why should you immerse yourself in the scriptures? Well, because here we are confronted with a kiss dating goodbye guy, Trump Trump <laughs> and send, locking her lock her up. Uh, or right. no no send her send her home.
1: send her send her back.
0: And in the journey of affirming to not affirming, and all of the none of those um, are particularly covered with very specific passages and principles that we can just pull um, right. straight from the text. And this is what it is to wrestle with the living, breathing, what we think is the living breathing word of God, right? Not in some right. static, you can't touch it. Um, it, it, if the Bible says it, that settles it, uh, it's, you know, it's over. Uh, however, that bumper grows, but there's yeah. something much, much deeper and richer about living in the, in the tensions, which none of us want to do with, no, I'm, I meet people who I firmly believe are genuine, loving, incredible Jesus followers and who are gay. What do you oh, do a- 100%. with that? hundred percent. Right. hundred well, percent. What do you do with that?
1: That's where you go. Oh, I see what you're saying, what she said about proximity Proximity. changing. Of course it does. 100%. But we can't let it change us and have this way forward that makes no sense to what Scripture said in the past. Like you're saying, we have to be understanding it faithfully so that when we lead the way forward, it's based on an understanding of what the text said and what's happening now. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, yep. but exactly because proximity 100% changes things, yeah. 100%. As it,
0: as it should, as right. it should. And I have no question it did for Jesus. I mean, there were times he was moved totally. to tears when he saw something. Mm-hmm. Um, So no question, he didn't heal everybody. He didn't raise everybody from the dead, right? I mean, there were specific instances. And um, so I have no doubt that, that some of what um, Sarah Bessie is saying is is true. I just I, I will I just don't think any reading of the text that says Jesus um, was was he was he was fully Jewish and saw Gentiles and dogs until he came to this woman. Um, I, I just don't I don't think the text supports that. And it's not because I have some static view of Jesus that says, well, he's God and he can't learn anything new. Uh, clearly, I mean, we, we read in Hebrews, right? He learned obedience through what he suffered. So there's something there. He went through normal human development, but I just don't think the text supports it. And and the question then is, well, so what? So what if this text doesn't support it? Well, for us, for our community, we still think there's something about this ancient book that is relevatory, right? That Mm -hmm. reveals something to us. And so we... Um, as part of our allegiance to Jesus, we submit ourselves to the authority of this of this document. And it's much more complex than any of us were ever told. Yeah. Um, way more complex than how seminary taught us to understand it. And, and that's beautiful. I think that's as it should be. And the, the older I get, the more I'm thinking, God is so such a genius for doing it this way. Right. Um, because it, it, it allows for all of this to happen.
1: Yeah. You know, the, exactly.
0: This, yeah. So I th- I think what what you were bringing was really good and really important, and I thought it was just a great example of h- how do we live out the story that we're that we find ourselves in, um, right? In, in in ways that seem congruent. And and could we be wrong? Always, of course.
1: Right. A hundred percent. Well, and even just allowing yourself to ask the question. Yeah. Like, is it fine if I think the spirit's doing something? Like, I there are so many years that I never even allowed myself to ask that question. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like terrifying. Like, I'm going to be sent straight to hell <laughs> if I do that. Yeah. So even just being able to have a safe place to talk about these things, um, and with safe people is, is what I think what it's for.
0: Yeah. No, that's if that, if the podcast does that, then we consider that a success. You know. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. because I, I was taught by, (laughs) um, I don't remember who taught me. Oh, this was Rob Bell. This was Rob Bell in like 2003, maybe 2002. Um,
1: he was just getting going.
0: Yeah. He was ramping up pre heretic days, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. According to some, um, but, but he talked about how good teaching always starts conversation. It never ends it. Yeah. And I and then when I went back to the Gospels, I looked at that's what Jesus did, even in his parables. Right. He always he always left something hanging. Yeah. um, Out there. I mean,
1: what sermon does that have you besides ones you've preached? Okay, pretend that you don't. But I mean, I'm serious. (laughs) So like most of this stuff is just it ties it up in this bow.
0: Right. Right. And
1: so we largely aren't in practice of doing this with the text. That's we right. don't know how to do it. Yeah. We're afraid to do it. Yep. I mean, it's like, it's terrifying.
0: Well, And, and, for the, people. and the analogy, I mean, <clears throat> I cannot get around and I, I'm sorry, but the analogy of what it is to parent well and what it is I want for my kids mm-hmm. is, is the, is the, it's the, I can't get around how powerful that image is. Because I, I'm sitting, parenting my kids as they make some good choices, um, every now and again bad choices, and and you're sitting there and you're confronted with, um, okay, well they did this thing and oh you know do you just jump on that thing? Well, no. The answer is much further back in the chain of events. Right? It's in the right. it's in the area of desire and in the area of value system and and seeking validation. I mean, it's all that, all that incredible stuff. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, I had such a profound point <laughs> in my brain that I, I think just lost. you were
1: talking about like, you're basically saying in parenting, like what's the, why, why you're doing stuff. Yeah. And but how that does that relate maybe to what same? we were just saying? I think it was, you were saying, um, so when we deal with the text, there's all these different layers. This is what I took from it. There's all these different layers, and we have to approach it with, like, sort of this understanding of the why behind it, not just like, hey, do this, don't do this.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 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 If we, if we parent according to the, um, imperatives of the bible and that's all we right. do right the you you shall not or you shall <clears throat> and we don't do any of the indicative stuff the here's what jesus has done here's the grace you live in blah 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 um like in parenting you just get you just get kids that learn to hide and right um you know and you get a view of god that is similar to what we've discussed in previous podcasts right this is just that is just waiting to zap us but yeah. but when you when you start diving into this deeper stuff you just get stuff opens up in such magnificent ways i mean i'm learning so much about how jesus parents me from trying mm-hmm. to parent teenagers and it is it's incredible because the goal of their teenagering isn't for them to act a certain way or to be a certain way it's not that it's it's the goal of my parenting towards them um, is that they inhabit a world that allows them to render judgments and decisions. Do you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I want their imagination populated with beyond pop culture and memes. Um, I want right. their imagination populated with relationship and potential and grace. I want that I want, I want the, the way they see the world saturated um, with with a, a different way of seeing, right? And and mm-hmm. you can't inculcate that uh, by by simply uh, slamming down a list of rules and saying, "This is what you must do." Am I making right. any sense? I, I feel yeah. like I feel like I'm either on a good roll or <laughs> I'm making no sense and I'm rambling. And, no, and, I think and, you're
1: making great sense.
0: And it's potential. I'm doing both at the same time.
1: So you know it's we'll see who's listening. No, I think you're making great <laughs> sense.
0: Hold on I a mean, second. But- this is what you need, buddy. Hold on. I'm so again, I'm so sorry. We're such good friends. I don't I don't feel bad. Oh, if you interrupt me or I ever interrupt you, but this is what you no. need. This is what you need right here. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah. This is my cricket app. Just yeah. So Just if you silent, if I'm crickets. if I'm going, remember we have the Wolverine Wolverine um warning, right? We're being mean. Right. But then this this is the <clears throat> hey you're rambly and you're making yeah, no is- sense.
1: <laughs> no, I think you're good. I think you could use this tie-in, which is what if we were believers that were able to look at the world with such big possibility of tension, of grace, of wisdom, of uh, working oh, I know what out. I was gonna say.
0: I know what oh. I was gonna say.
1: There you go. Uh, and it's so
0: <laughs> dumb. But thank you, Bonnie. You're it's welcome. So dumb. I just, I'm here children, to bring out the dumb things with children. No, with children, I just want to manage outcomes. That's all I want to manage. Oh, that, there they're, you go. that they're nice and that they do this and they say thank you. And I just want to manage outcomes. And I yeah. so feel that way with Jesus. That what Jesus, all Jesus cares about is the outcomes that I'm sexually pure, that I tithe, that I whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and the more I'm walking with him, the more I'm realizing, man, that ain't the work. That's not the right. work. And the Bible, the mm-hmm. Bible. No, he cares, but he cares in such a different way. I do care if my kids are watching porn or not, but I right. don't. But but I but I'm not managing and parenting them towards an outcome of thou shalt right. look at porn. I want right. them to be the kind of person who sees what that is and has been furnished in their relational uh, and intellectual capacities um, to imagine a world where that just doesn't have to be the case. You know what right. I'm saying? Yes. Is this making Tim, say something. I like that. (laughs) What do you mean you like that? No, I think that...
1: I think (laughs) he was waiting for the...
0: You just tied it all together. The tie. I'm I'm not kissing dating goodbye. I'm learning how to date right. Well, I'm learning to be the kind of person... See, this is the concept of formation. Like, The reason sex is a big deal in the Bible isn't because this is God's number one thing. The reason sex is a big deal in the Bible is because it has the power to form us yeah. in ways that other sins don't. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's a huge deal. When Paul says right. you sin, if anyone sins sexually, they sin against their own body. He doesn't say that of anything else. And um, and I'm not saying like, I'm not doing the sin meter. I- I'm just saying that that the formative power of sexual sin is immense compared to... You know, I don't know. I mean, all since well, learning a how power. to learning
1: how to navigate that. You know, as we talked about the purity culture, and we've talked about before, I felt very ill equipped to do any to make any decisions positively because everything was "thou shalt not." There was a pastor a long time ago who gave a great sermon on "thou shalt nots."
0: For every "thou shalt not," there is a "thou shalt." Yeah, you remember that guy? Yeah, Michael Erie. I don't that.
1: Who? I've never met him.
0: What I said that. Yeah, you had a whole sermon that was like, for every thou shalt not, there's a thou
1: shalt. And I was like, that's genius. And then you went through them. And you're like, "Wow!" you know, the Bible said this, but Jesus brought this up. You probably don't remember it, Erie, because I probably wrote that part for you. Yes, Bonnie. There it is. (laughs) No, I have no question. Bonnie
0: Bonnie was (laughs) tragically underutilized as a research (laughs) assistant.
1: I'm totally kidding.
0: Oh, no. people! I think people have long realized I'm just a puppet. I'm literally, Uh, I really
1: don't think people realize that, but now,
0: now, but this, but okay. I mean, Bonnie, first of all, I think this was a really excellent example of the kind of work you do, uh, Mm -hmm. even when you, when you translate, right. This isn't a, Hey, what does this feel? What does this feel good to me? Um, right. Because I, I have one of the things I've always respected about you is that you genuinely want the text to lead the conversation. Right. Um, so I love that. And I love. I appreciate that. No, no. I mean, I just think this this is a really important conversation for you to lead because um, obviously Sarah Bessie is a very, very well-known writer. And it, it's easy, you know, it's easy um, for me anyway to, to level critiques. Um, it, 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 at people that I'm not fans of.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah.
0: But, you know, like if N.T. Wright said something, which he hasn't because he's as close to Dallas Willard um, as can be, and Dallas Willard was as close to Jesus as can be, so by the transitive six property. Six degrees of Jesus. Yeah, six <laughs> degrees of Jesus. Um, uh, It would be hard for me to go after in tea because of just the immense respect I have. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just, I just thought it was a really cool thing. I guess that was all I'm trying to say. Well, like- I
1: think, yeah, well, I mean, it's like, um, I really like her and I respect her. And if I were to meet her, I would totally fangirl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think she considers herself as she should a theologian. Right. And as me as a theologian, the best respect that anybody can give me. Exactly is to challenge me and right. to say hey what do you think about this and ask me questions and for to talk with me or to whatever because if if i'm saying something and it's not doing what i want to do which is let the text lead and give it just the justice that it deserves whether or not i agree with the text it should be off the table you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if i'm not showing it justice and somebody doesn't say anything or doesn't let me that's not helping me grow it's not or even respecting me as a theologian, you know what I mean? So that that's for so me true. personally,
0: so true, that's so good. Okay, we've been going an hour, so time to wrap it up. It is time to wrap it up. It's, um, <laughs> we, <Well, yeah. laughs>
1: why are you laughing just, now?
0: Well, I'm so glad that Tim is in the room because <laughs> if, if, if there was me. And then, and then Bonnie, and then someone else like me and Bonnie, it would be, it would be very tough. And so Tim, just, you're wonderful. I love you. Um, all right. So anyway, my friends, we've got, so, oh, so much, so much coming, so much to talk about, but we've got, um, uh, some other, I'm trying to recruit a Calvinist. Like I'm, I have a dear friend who's just getting his PhD in reform theology And so I'm trying to get him on the podcast and just do an interview, like, like get his best stuff on why this is true. That's great. Yeah. That would be so fun, huh? Yeah. And then-
1: That would be fun.
0: Yeah. No, I'm trying to, I I will try to find a complementarian to do that. I will try to find, um, who else? Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to hear a Trump supporter. Uh, but Mm -hmm. that, but- but again, I don't want to – I don't know if I'd want to do that or not. All that is to say, I'm rambly.
1: This uh, is – I don't I, – I think it would be interesting. This is just me, though, a seven-day creationist. I would actually really love to hear that viewpoint. And then if you believe the earth was created in seven days, what the implications are then for the rest of the Bible.
0: Okay. I've got Ken Ham's um, museum uh, just down the road. Right? The creation <laughs> – is that – or is that the ark? I don't remember. Is that the creation
1: museum? Oh, Oh, oh my gosh, oh. are you by the Ark?
0: I, I think maybe I am. I think it, the Ark is in Kentucky, as it's it like should a, be. Now, it's hold like on. Amusement park? I don't know,
1: but. It's a replica.
0: We're ending with, instead of with a blessing, we're to end with Seth Erie.
1: Yes.
0: <gasps> okay. Seth Erie just walked in shirtless mm-hmm. with a. He's got his pajamas on and mm-hmm. he's got his, his doctor stethoscope mm-hmm. oh perfect or as we call it a stethoscope yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> Yes. so why don't hey why don't we close today by doing the shema will you do the shema yeah all right so one of the prayers we do around our table because we are oh so spiritual mm-hmm. is we do the shema in english and in hebrew mm-hmm. and so seth Erie is going to lead us in the shema are you ready come right up here buddy talk right here okay all right are you ready
1: say say good morning fox
0: you can say good morning vox
1: say hi chef with me, me fox podcast yeah okay? yep, yep. Good, morning, buddy. It's good morning everybody it's sefi it's welcome to fox podcast welcome it's... to the
0: vox podcast here
1: you go it's daddy oh
0: here's daddy do you want to do Do you want to do the Shema for everybody?
1: No, but let's Tim go first.
0: Mr. Tim go first. I don't think he knows it. Yeah. Mr. Tim likes rock music. He doesn't listen to yeah. he, anything Hebrew.
1: Oh, to get tax on.
0: Do you, so we do Shema. Yes. Okay. Are you ready? You want to do it?
1: I say pasikas. Huh? for you.
0: Okay. All right. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. All right.
1: Say pasikas.
0: No. Let's do Shema.
1: Some. Yeah.
0: All right. You do it. Yeah.
1: And One, I'll do two. two. Three. Shema Israel,
0: Adonai, Adonai, Hear, O Israel, 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 the Lord our God, God the Lord alone. Love the He's Lord your God, God, God. Your
1: heart, soul,
0: mind, mind. And, and strength. Strong. And love your neighbor.
1: It's life. It's
0: life. Amen. Amen. There it is. Amen. Love your neighbor as your Seth amen (laughs) amen (laughs) all right until next time thank you folks